Welcome to the podcast. Our guest this week is Natalia Gomez-Diaz, who is a leader in entrepreneurship at Bell Canada. Natalia talks about working as a political intern in Parliament and how she learned about communications as a skill and a process. She also worked managing a startup accelerator, but what she actually said that most of her business lessons she got working in an ice cream shop. She started the Bell Hackathon program as a side hustle and how it's helping change the culture in Bell. If that wasn't enough, her career as a DJ is very interesting. So I think you'll find Natalia is a great guest and plays out on a great song. This podcast is sponsored by Netzer, Digital First Selling. During these times of COVID and falling telco sales, Digital First Selling is the answer to new customer acquisition, increasing revenues and cost reduction. If you are a telco, an MVNO or an eSIM provider, we have the ideal Digital First Selling as a Service solution for you. The Netzer Digital First Selling solution enables you to sell and onboard remotely. It will integrate with your BSS and OSS systems and with Salesforce, and we meet all regulatory requirements. Contact pat.flynn at netzer.com so that we can understand your issues and provide you with the best solution. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This week we have a very interesting guest with Natalia Gomez-Diaz. Natalia is based in Toronto, Canada, and she is both a leader today and a future leader, I think, when you hear her background. Uh, She has a a wide range of experience. But before we get into that, Natalia, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming along. Thank you, Pat. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to you know, have this first experience of the podcast and, and make sure I make you guys proud. <laughs> <laughs> I know you will. I know you will. So we were talking beforehand and you, you in, if you start back to when you graduated, you initially had a role that might be described as a political attache role or um, in the Canadian parliament. Is that the case? Yeah. Yeah. So basically I did... Um, you know, it could be a political staff uh, member, you know, was mainly for the provincial. So the province of Quebec, Canada, we have multiple different provinces. And I was doing some volunteer work while I was work- uh, while I was going to university and uh, in, the, in one of the Chamber of Commerce. And whoever was running the Chamber of Commerce decided to run for, you know, uh, for to be an MPP of a different, of a specific district. And luckily that year he won. And you know, when it's time to create your team, specifically in politics, everyone wants to be kind of surrounded by people that they trust. Mm-hmm. And um, having worked with him, he reached out after that he won and said, you know what, it would be a great opportunity. It's obviously not something that I studied or thought I would even go in, mm-hmm. but when that opportunity presents of, you know, Tasting what politics is and being able to be inside, you don't really kind of pass it off. So I took the opportunity and, and worked uh, for two years and a half in, in politics. Yeah. And how old, were you, how old were you then, Natalie? 
Oh, I was, I was 20. I was 20, 20 21. I was the youngest, uh, actually, I was the youngest uh, staff, uh, I think, ever, or okay. at least for that, that department, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I definitely was not, uh, was not the same. I was bringing the average of the age down, <laughs> but, I always, but I always look older. So that kind of helped me out. People did not know that I was 20 or 21 at that age. Well, no, that, sure. that, that to me is just amazing. And it must be a fantastic experience for you. It must have given you like a, a wide view of Canadian governance and political systems and so on. Oh, absolutely. Just to be able to understand you know, sometimes I think a lot of people ask themselves, what do politicians do? You know, like day in, day out. And politician is, is to, being a politician is you're on 24-7, right? Like I remember when I was in there, whatever we would, you know, our party would take position on, it would be in the news. You know, I would have like friends gathering, we would talk about it. You know, you're always on the spot. And whenever you are, you're also going to, you know, an event in your overall district that you're invited or you're, you know, you're doing representation of your MPP. All you can hear about is like people can, you know, going against the positions that your party is doing. And you need to be very, very strong in terms of being ready and, and prepared to answer the questions or the comments that you're going to receive. It's not uncommon mm-hmm. that we practice in the office questions that we think the public is going to ask us when we're going to be out. Right, just to make sure that you know we know how to answer them, and even more so when it's hot topics that it's that it's out there. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I imagine the pressure is quite heavy, and the emphasis on communications probably helped you in the sense that you're able to present yourself well, present your issues well. I I noticed after that you you were responsible for a young entrepreneurs program at one stage. Exactly. Well, what? Again, I think when I was I was um, when I was in university, what I tried to do is not do a lot of extra curriculars from an university standpoint, but more from I went to the young professional sector in Montreal. At that point, I was in Montreal, mm-hmm. so I got involved with the Chamber of Commerce, and there's a Chamber of Commerce in Montreal that is for below forty, and they it's like one of the biggest Chamber of Commerce in the world, actually. What we did is that they had a, a, um, a network of young entrepreneurs that we would be able to manage. And the full goal was to help these young professionals had ideas on how to start their own business. And it was a full eight month long program and we would help them start their own business. But we will have like guests in terms of like previous entrepreneurs come in. We had specific topics, you know, from raising money, from creating your business case, from from pitching to investors, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, we put it together. And I was the one kind of directing that team, having a, a, a group of volunteers and, and a cohort of entrepreneurs. And at the end, they pitched, but we, we had like partnership with like law firms and VCs in Montreal to be able at the end to have that event mm-hmm. where they would be able to have some sort of funding. Yeah. So you're right at the heart of the innovation process, the the boiling cauldron of uh, ideas and money and people and oftentimes the stew might be burnt but sometimes the stew comes out as perfect you know so it's it's a uh, fantastic so you, you probably that must have, is that where you got the bug for for this i think after i also did my my minor in entrepreneurship in at at university but what i got when i got the sense of i really love everything that is 
entrepreneurship is actually on my very first job. I was, I was, I worked in an ice cream shop. Pat, I don't know. I actually, if I told you this, but it was a small ice cream shop in Montreal, and I would have it would be in a, in a very good like French neighborhood, and right. people would come. I would have like people come from like different places from Quebec saying, "Oh my God, this ice cream is so good!" Because it was kind of well known known at, at that point. Or even people coming from France just because it's it's French, so it's kind of connected, and and they would say, "Oh my God, you know, we wanna we wanna we didn't want it to come to Montreal and not pass by, you know, this place." And I just saw so many improvements that we could do from a business perspective, but obviously not being the owner, I didn't have that power. And I just said, you know what, one day I want to be able to run my own business so that I can have, you know, feedback that I can get from my customers and implement it right away. At one point, as soon as I finished my first summer, I wanted to buy the label, the name of that, of that <laughs> ice cream shop. But then at that point, I was 16 and it costed over a million dollars because I did my research. And I'm like, okay, it's not going to happen. So I need to start my own business. And when I went to university and everything that I did after that was with the purpose of what can I do that is going to help me learn for when the future I'm going to have my own business. So as you can see, yes, that was one of the, that's really when I got started because with the mix of what I did in politics, understanding what the regulation works, you know, what type of help the government can give young entrepreneurs and being in that space and at the same time volunteering with the actual entrepreneurs and being able to bring that together is really what um, kind yeah. of passionate. You know, yeah. you know, Natalia, I think you raise a very good point there. I often think if when you're young, if you run a basic business and I don't mean anything particularly detrimental about that but you get the basic idea of how things work and you know how to sell how to make sure the product is there how to present the product dealing with customers looking at the cash flow it's really good training i mean i know sometimes i think people such as myself who started out as engineers miss that whole thing and have to come back to it later whereas if you actually say ran an ice cream shop you'd probably know a lot about entrepreneurship from the beginning yeah i mean it was a small shop, so you're able to understand, you know, how they, yeah, exactly, they manage the cash, etc. Um, I think the challenge at that point was that the feedback we were bringing in terms of what the customers were saying was not being implemented. And that's where I saw kind of a missed opportunity, right? Because it's like you have this such great product, what customers are saying, and you can even, you know, make it better or like expand it in better locations. Sure. And, and that wasn't necessarily implemented. And that's where I said, you know what, it's, it's not my shop and that's why I need to have my shop yeah. one, day. one day. I'm sure you're going to have a, a whole chain of these shops one day, Natalia. And <laughs> exactly. Ben, ben and Natalia's or something, you know. So, ben and Natalia's, exactly. <laughs> but, but anyway, to, today, uh, for the last number of years, you've been working, you, you took the, those entrepreneur skills and you moved into to Bell, which is a substantial company by any standard. So how did that happen then? Maybe... How are you bringing innovation and entrepreneurship to Bell? Yeah, well, you know what? It was even though it was very interesting to do the political, like having the political experience. Pat, I always knew that I wanted to try the private sector, right? I wanted to go into the private sector, and at one point, the decision was: Do I go to a startup or do I go to a big company? And then, you know, a startup already have that type of mindset. But then what I decided is that, you know what, I'm going to be an entrepreneur in a big company, in a big corporation. And then at that point, it was perfect timing because Bell has this 
a very good and, and well-ranked uh, leadership program that it's a rotational program. So basically every seven months, you're rotating roles in within the company. And, you know, it could even be in, in between different business units. That's something that really intrigued me just because from the nature of who I am, I like to always be, you know, doing something new, challenging myself and basically was ramping up on an, a brand new team every seven months. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of got me to Bell. And I said, if I go to a big company, I absolutely need to be an entrepreneur. I need to be, let me understand a little bit what's their culture, you know, what is maybe the gaps that they have, but how can I bring a bit of innovation and entrepreneurship at Bell? And that's where I, I, I had the idea just because I was, again, externally very involved with doing hackathons and like with startup weekends and tech stars, et cetera to do internal hackathons, you know? It was a brand new idea. So doing external hackathons was not a thing. It was 100% going to be shut down. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, when my experience in politics kind of helped me in terms of how do you influence, if you have an idea like that, you know? One, it's not my my day job. So it's a side hustle that I started. So how do you, who do you talk to first? How do you present your idea? How do you pitch it? You know, how do you make it compelling so that they're going to accept? Mm-hmm. Who do you talk in first and, and maybe later because, you know, they would have more of the influence at the beginning. So I think that my political background helped me out because what you learn in politics, it's a lot of influence and strategizing. Yeah, yeah. And then I was able to bring that back at Bell for that specific goal, right? How can I implement internal hackathons knowing that, there's no department of innovation that there's no budget allocated to it. And it's mm-hmm. something that was never done in a company. And, you know, for the audience, Bell is around like a 60,000 employees, like uh, Can- uh, Canadian wide, the largest, one of the largest companies in Canada. So, you know, it's, it's a huge, it's, you know, there's a lot of red tape, you know, we must mm-hmm. say. So it's how do you kind of uh, yeah. approach it? And, and that was when I, I basically pitched the idea to our SVP, but making compelling from his end. Like what are his key KPIs that he's going to have to, you know, that he yep. needs to move the needle yep. on at a hackathon can help and give him very specific examples. Right. I mean, I think that's a really great example of how you combine your previous experience of influencing and understanding the power structures, then also bringing the idea. So, I mean, I really like that. And you're presently involved in digital transformation programs, I think. Yeah, correct. Um, and, and if you want, then, cause I know you mentioned the accelerator and I haven't really kind of touched upon that before going to the transformation one path. Sure. Um, basically what happened was that after, you know, we were able to implement those internal hackathons, what you can really see is how the employees get empowered, right? After like doing that for 48 hours, you have limited time, go from idea to MVP or proof of concept to be able to pitch it to the executives and the executives to be able to give some, some money allocating that for, for, for them to be able to implement it at the company. And we have an internal portal where, where there's like news that are shared across the company. And we obviously, you know, having the, the mindset of like PR, <laughs> being yeah, able yeah. to do some promo. And, and then we had an article there. Then we started receiving emails from all over the company telling us, hey, we want a hackathon in our shop. Hey, we want a hackathon in our shop. 
So we did three different, me, I started alone, but then I, I was able to gather other volunteers. So we were four by the end of it. We ended up running three hackathons on the side. So for around two years and a half, I had my day job and my side hustle at Bell. Mm-hmm. So that's how I kind of call it, but it was the best experience. And then from there, we said, it's not sustainable. The four of us, we cannot continue you know, doing this on the side. And at the same time, I was getting, um, I was promoted at that time at Bell. So mm-hmm. I was having my own team as well. And it was too much. You know, at one point, I, I do need to have my eight hours of sleep at night. I know <laughs> that I cannot, I know that I cannot survive. I can't survive one day weekend. So Saturday is my only day off and I work Sundays. That I, I learned, but I need my eight hours of sleep. <laughs> sure, sure. So because of that, we were like, okay, how can we scale this out? And that's where, we said, you know, let's have kind of a playbook on how to do internal hackathons at Bell and partnership with like our big corporate HR because it has a huge impact on culture. Then working with our, our SVPs of, uh, you know, corporate uh, strategy to make sure that we are able to kind of have like a more of a scalable approach. And that's where Bell Accelerate kind of came in. And mm-hmm. that is kind of becoming, yeah, becoming the, the one place where all the business units can go. And if they want to have or do a hackathon internally, well, it's everything that we've done it, you know, who did we partner? Like we actually, in the playbook, you have what to, what to do, what not to do in terms of like what, like, you know, what didn't work well for us mm-hmm. and that we make our mistakes so that they don't make those mistakes and just kind of having a standard approach so that we're able to do it across the company kind of the same way. And then after that, being able to track the, the outcomes standard across. So okay. that's where the full accelerator became, which is more how to scale hackathons all across Bell. Okay, that's really incredible. And so, I mean, it is very difficult to bring programs into large companies and integrate across different functions. But you have a an unusual weekend hobby you mentioned previously would you <laughs> you're a dj right yeah <laughs> how do you get exactly. the, time or the energy <laughs> exactly exactly well i think i think i'm you know i i had like a year off where i didn't have any side hustle i was just working a lot for i had a new role and i had to create a full team and as soon as i'm comfortable with that i need to find something else to do on the side you know i think it's a it's a pattern I see in, in my life that I need Natal- to... You could sleep, Natalia. You know, that would be a good exactly. thing. <laughs> There's no Netflix and chill for me. That's not, a, that's not something that gives me anxiety, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, what, 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 what's, what does being a DJ mean to you? I mean, do you, do you mix your own stuff or do you mix records or what do you do? Well, basically, it was more... Um, um, it was actually exactly a year ago, right before the pandemic... Uh, New Year's Eve of 2019 to 2020, um, I went to like, you know, like a, a New Year's Eve party. And my my friend, he's an entrepreneur in Montreal, and he was having, you know, the party at his place, at his like offices. I went to say hi, and uh, I didn't know that he was a DJ. So I went to say hi, and he was a DJ. And then I just went behind, and he was putting a very good song. And I think I just had told him, put this song because it fits well huh. with what you're right now and i'm look i'm latina pato my background is colombian so i love music okay i grew sure. up every saturday morning listening to you know latin american music while you're cleaning the house that's a standard like all latin americans grow up with yeah. so i love music 
Then he put that song and people in the room just like went, you know, like wild. And when I saw that in front of me, I was like, wow, this is an amazing feeling. And I ended up staying with him till like 4.30 in the morning behind the controller and putting like a song after a song. Because when you're a DJ, if you don't put a song, then there's no more music. You know, it's not a playlist. You go with what you see the, 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 the crowd wants more. And basically that same night I bought him the controller. So now, you know, there's multiple ways that you can DJ. Yes, you can DJ with the, like the vinyls where you're actually changing them. But mm-hmm. like controllers now are more like digitized and, you know, where you have like the, the two decks and basically it's like you have your MP3 musics, but now with Spotify, you can connect it to it. So you have like your Spotify songs or any any song that it's on Spotify and you can play it in 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 a software and connected to the controller. So I bought the controller, that controller the same night. And then I, I started, I, I did my first don't, event don't, don't right hang around before. Here. Don't hang around here, Natalia. Don't be wasting time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then um, it's, it's funny enough, like my, the weekend that here in, in Toronto, they, they announced the lockdown or like the weekend before, it's when I had my very first event. <laughs> ah, brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, that was perfect. Just do a little bit of practice and people to know. And then he got me some new events during the summer. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's brilliant. And so I'm really looking forward to your outro song. <laughs> this has got to be something <laughs> that's going to blow everybody's mind. So what, what did you pick for your outro song? So let, me, let me first of all, oh. just, before, just before we get into that, I just want to say something. It's fantastic Go to meet, meet someone like you with your energy and youth, your ideas of strategy entrepreneurship and how to change organizations i'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about you in the future natalia so it's been an absolute pleasure to have you, you on the, the podcast but please tell us what what you're going to blow our minds with <laughs> so blow your minds it's, it's a bit of a of a house song with african background too because it's a it's a very it's a song that i played a lot in the summer for and every single time that I played it, people really liked it. So I hope you know it's it's something a little bit un, un, unconventional, but it's something that is going to bring you uh, energy, you know. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's that's how people may describe me as I have ambitious energy. That's sure, what they absolutely. say. So, we get that. We get um, that. <laughs> it's called Duha Mali Mali. So you'll see it's it's Mali Mali. Usually, how you can you can find it.
Mali de mwa tuwa u 